purpose is to help you heal, and I'm your host, Marie Monville. We are going to spend 10 minutes talking about healing. What kind of healing do you need? Is it in your mindset? Is it emotional healing? Is it spiritual healing? You know, there's a lot of healing that we all need, and this is where you're going to find it every week, 10 minutes on Tuesday. I'm so glad you're spending this time with me. Welcome back. This week, as promised, we begin a series on the Christmas story. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus from different perspectives, you know, not just straight out of what we read in the Bible, but really trying to examine the story from the people who lived it, the people that were involved in it, the people that walked alongside of the story as it was unfolding. Because for me, when I study the Bible, I really want to come to this place of seeing it as if I was there. I want to understand how it felt to the people that are mentioned to know the time period and the culture and things that that were really relevant in in the history but are not necessarily included in the account because i think i think knowing all those things makes it even more real i don't know about you but for me it's easy to read through a story to take a passage of scripture and just fly right on through and not think about how this felt or what this looked like to the people who were living this. And, you know, I think for me, one of the reasons that I see it differently and that I want to embrace all of this is because I know how it feels to hear someone's story. You know, I know how it feels to have heard people talk about my story and to know that it's different. You know, what people see from the outside is not the entirety of what I've lived. Sure, some of it is, but a lot of it isn't. And there are things, you know, that go on inside of our heart and our mind that someone's not going to see unless they walk in our shoes. And when we take the Bible and we take time to walk in it, to walk with the people that are mentioned there, how much more real does it become to us then? Because it's not just a story. It's alive. And it then lives inside of us. And then in the moments of our life, when we need it, there it is. It's alive. And so when I approach studying the Bible, to me, it's really an experience, an experience of asking questions, wondering why or what that meant or how it felt, you know, wanting to see more than just the surface, because I know, you know, we don't have the whole story for any story. We're not necessarily privy to all the thoughts and the conversations that happened around any particular topic or person. But If we don't take time to think about them from our vantage point and say, you know, how did this feel to that person? How would they have responded? What would have, you know, their community have looked like at the time? How would that have played out in their life? If we don't do that, then I think it's really easy to just put them on a pedestal and say, wow, you know, they're amazing and they did all these things for God and they didn't question when that might not be the truth you know, we, we take a story and we put the person on a pedestal and we tell ourselves we're just nothing like them. And then we feel bad about ourselves and we think, wow, you know, God's not going to work in my life because I'm not at all like that person. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth. How many times do we read words about not being afraid? And while we might not have read conversations or someone's thoughts to know that they were afraid, you know, God is purposeful the things that he speaks and says and the things that are written in the Bible are intentional. And so if someone wasn't afraid, he wouldn't have needed to write that, but they were. And so he did. And it's the same for us. 
we are human beings, they were human beings, and we are all the same. I believe that we all know a lot of the same thoughts and fears and questions, questions that we have of ourselves, of our ability to walk out God's purpose. And so when we take the time to really dive into the story and say, what else is probably going on here? It helps us to see them in the reality of their humanity to understand that they most likely didn't just have this, you know, life experience with God where they never questioned and they just automatically felt all in on everything. But to say, how would this have felt to me? What would I have thought about that? That's probably, you know, something along the the lines of what they were thinking too. And so as we walk through these next few weeks together and we talk about Jesus's birth and we examine it from different sides, I want you to embrace the perspective of the people that we're discussing each week. Think about it as it would have felt to them, as it probably looked in their life. Allow yourself to walk in that place. And so, you know, we're going to be reading from Luke's gospel. He gives the most in-depth account of Jesus's birth. And in the first chapter is where this all kind of kicks off. It starts in verse 26. And it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. So here we have, you know, Mary, this virgin girl who was engaged to be married to this man named Joseph, and she finds out that she's pregnant. And Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. You know, and I wonder how that felt from their perspective. This had never happened before. There was no precedence for this. And while it's certainly an incredible blessing of God for an angel to show up and give her this news, in some respects, it must have also been a little bit unsettling. Because, you know, what was everyone going to say to her? How would people respond? I'm sure she wondered, you know, how will Joseph respond? We read that he had originally intended to send her away quietly. And then he does not. You know, in this place of saying, wow, Mary got this incredible news and she was going to have the child of God Joseph didn't initially get it or support her. And what did their conversations look like in the moment when she told him, when she was expecting him to rally to her side and, you know, stand with her 
in this place of promise. I mean, I'm just assuming here, but you have if you were married and you just had this incredible experience with the angel and you are telling this to your fiance, I would be thinking he's going to be on board with me. I'm going to tell him about the visit from the angel and we're just going to do this thing. And isn't this going to be incredible? And instead, Joseph plans to send her away quietly. And that tells me that he didn't believe her. And in some aspects, you want to say, how could he not believe her? How could he not believe this story? Why would he think that she would possibly be making it up? That she could be concocting this story to make it sound like she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit when he believed that there was another story going on here. And I can't imagine being Mary and facing these places where no one believed her, but I don't think that Joseph was the only one. We don't read any accounts of Mary's parents. You know, if you study online, you know, and try to do some research, there isn't a definitive answer. Were her parents alive? Were they deceased? We don't know, but they're not mentioned. And so to me, that tells me that they weren't in the picture. Whether that was, you know, by their death or by their estrangement or location or whatever it was, they, they're not a part of the story at all. They're never mentioned. And so I have to believe that they really weren't in the picture. So how did this feel for a young girl to have this news from the angel that she's going to have a child, have her fiance not believe her and not have the support of her parents? Now, she knows that Elizabeth is going to have a baby, and I love that, you know, the angel kind of gives her this other thing that seems completely out of left field, something that should have been impossible. Elizabeth was barren. Everyone knew this. I mean, the angel even knew this. Elizabeth wasn't supposed to be able to have children, but he says to her, he says to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Even your relative Elizabeth, who has conceived a son in her old age. And so when Mary goes to Elizabeth and finds out that, yes, indeed, Elizabeth is pregnant, I would think that that was a reassurance to her that she had heard the angel correctly and that she was on the right path and God was doing something. And how beautiful was it that God gave her this understanding This, you know, her willingness to say yes, it cost her something. It's easy for me to look at this part of the story, look at her involvement, look at, you know, the angel coming and Mary having Jesus, all of that. It's easy to put that on a high place that it's incredible and wonderful. And she must have been such an, uh, you know, a special woman. God treasured her and he chose her to bear his son, but it cost her It cost her everything, probably. And I am sure there were moments that she thought, God, I I don't know if I can do this because I might be doing this all by myself. You know, to have to walk out that path where some didn't believe her, including Joseph, and how, how much that probably was a place of pain. Mary is a normal girl, you know. She would have had normal feelings and thoughts, and I know we don't read about this here, but I believe that there's more to the story. And places where she would have had to allow God to heal her heart and the painful things that people said against her, people who didn't understand, who mistreated her, who judged her, who ridiculed her. But we don't read anything about her trying to defend herself or stand up to them, convince them of the truth. 
And I get that the entire conversations are not in here, but I'm sure that there were places where she could have taken that stance had she wanted to. But here's what I know from my own life experience. When someone makes a decision about me, they have done that without any kind of information from me. They've done that without asking my perspective, without hearing my heart. They just made a decision based on whatever external facts they collected, and that's that. And the same would have been true for her. And so in these places of my life, and I've walked out many of them, when someone has made a judgment about me that's false, I've learned that it's best to just let them go. Because if they really cared about me, if they really wanted to know if something was true or not, they would have asked me first before they decided. They would have allowed me to share my heart before they made a judgment call against me. And so my perspective is that it's it's not really worth trying to convince anyone. It's not worth trying to prove to them that they're wrong about it. It's just saying, God, I'm going to let you unfold this. And maybe someday they're going to realize it wasn't what they thought. And if they do, that's fine. And if they don't, that's fine. But I'm not going to concern myself with anybody else. I'm just going to stay focused on you and where you're leading me because that can be such a distraction. When we're trying to change everybody else's perspective, it can be so distracting. And so, you know, this week, as you take time to immerse yourself in the story, I want you to think about it from Mary's perspective of this place where it cost her something. Because I think that we can all relate to that. We can all relate to this place of saying, well, God, I know you've called me here, but this is costing me something. And maybe other people have judged us harshly in that place and saying, God, I'm not going to try to convince them of what you're doing or who you are. I'm just going to let you have your conversations with them. Because as beautiful as it is that Mary chose to say yes to God, I know it couldn't have been an easy journey. And of course, you know, the end of the story and the place where his birth happens is not an easy story, but I think there would have been a lot of really hard things all along the way. And, you know, it's easy for us to think, wow, an angel visits you and you get this, you know, information from the Lord and all of this stuff is going to happen. It must have been wonderful and exciting and all of that. And I don't think it is, <laughs> you know, and I think when we when we expect it to be, then sometimes in our own lives, we're disappointed because we're thinking, God, why did you ask me to do this? This is not how it was supposed to be. This is hard and this is costing me something. But it would have been the same for Mary and she chose to walk it out anyway. And so I think for me, when I think about her story, there are a lot of things I take away. But one of them is that when God places a purpose and a passion inside of our heart, it's not always going to be one mountaintop experience after another. It's going to be a lot of days in the valley of trusting him and saying, God, I don't really understand all of this, but I'm still going to believe who you are. And I'm still going to, to stand on your promise that nothing is impossible with you. And I'm going to, in all of my humanity, attempt to embrace Mary's perspective and say, may it be done to me according to your word. I am your servant. And I want to be a part of your story. Whether it costs me something, whether it feels exciting, whether it feels like work. God, I don't want to miss what you have for me. I want to be a part of the story. And so... I hope that as you've listened to this and as you've thought about this and as you continue to think about it, it's a place of reflection for you and a place of maybe feeling better about the hard points of your life. 
that you have a lot in common with Mary. And if she could do it, so can you. So can I. I've loved spending this time with you this week. I know we are way past 10 minutes, but I couldn't help it. (laughs) There's just so much goodness, even in talking about Mary and just including Joseph a little bit. I'm not going to tell you what I have in store for you next week. You're just going to have to come back and find out. But join me next week for your 10-minute or more session in to help you heal. We're going to continue to talk about the Christmas story all month long. I can't wait to have more of this conversation with you then. 